Normally don't do a stand, but today I'm going to. Thanks, Ms. Dewar, for allowing me to borrow your stand. I think this is yours. Well, God's grace, God's mercy, God's shalom, God's erene, God's Salem, God's peace to you, my brothers and sisters. I don't know if you listened to the video or if you caught wind of that, if you were taking a look at it. That idea of peace is wholeness and being complete. And I know in life it doesn't always happen that way. I know Salem has had its difficulties in the past, and there are people who are still hurting and still injured and still sensitive to it. And yet God comes to us and says, I make you whole. I give you peace. I know you were chuckling about us being up here, and it was uh, kind of fun. Because even in the midst of a high holy moment of communion, there's sometimes turmoil comes into life. And even in the midst of our lives, when we might think everything is great, there's still turmoil. I don't know about Thanksgiving for you. How many of you had a great Thanksgiving? Anybody? Yeah, okay, all, y'all, most of y'all had a great Thanksgiving. I know that as we were preparing for Thanksgiving, there was calm and peace at times. And then once everybody gathered, it was like a tornado, turmoil. It was like this chaotic noise coming in. It was like uh, just at times, uh, just all gathering together. And yet we sat down together, prayed had food, feasted, feasted again, and as a family of faith, gathered together. And as we just demonstrated up here, in the same way, coming together as the family of God. And that's such a key thing for all of us in the cycles of life, to be able to have times of peace. And so today, we're going to take a look at uh, peace Ernie, it sounds like your machine's about to blow up behind me. It sounds like some kind of bomb going off. Woohoo! Sermon's done. Okay. No, don't clap for that. Uh, so, over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at kind of the themes of Advent. Uh, today, peace. And we have hope uh, in, in Christ uh, through God's peace. So today we're going to take a look at peace and then next week take a look at hope and then joy and then love as we unwrap the coming of Christmas and the Christ child to us. Now, I already asked how many of you enjoyed Thanksgiving. Uh, I did something this year that I probably shouldn't have done. I weighed myself before I ate. I weighed myself before my first plate and my second plate. My first breakfast, my second breakfast. First and second lunches, my seconds is Lord of the Rings reference there. And as I got on the scale at the end of the night, our scale has the ability to not just go uh, a tenth of a pound, it also has a little number in the upper corner that gives us a hundredth of a pound. And so I'm not going to tell you my weight, but I did see where I started, and I gained 6.66 pounds. The number of the beast was in my belly. 
And as I rubbed my belly, I actually thought, okay, should I go down and have some pumpkin pie just to make it 6.67? Well, I was definitely in discomfort, and after a wonderful time of feasting, I was not at peace, and neither was my belly, and neither was the scale. And I think that's sometimes what happens in life, is that we have these times where we want peace, but it doesn't always happen that way. As we gear up for Christmas and as we go into the Advent season, I'm going to ask you, what is your number one wish for Advent and for Christmas? If you could have anything, what would that be? A doctor, uh, there was a survey done and they asked a number of people, a huge sampling of people, what their number one wish was. 67% of the respondents said peace or peace of mind. That's huge in today's society. When there's all kinds of chaos and concerns that attack us, we want peace and peace of mind. There was uh, one Peanuts cartoon of Lucy and Charlie Brown, and Lucy says to Charlie Brown, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the world, the whole wide world. And Charlie says, but I thought you had inner peace. And Lucy said, I do think I have inner peace, but I definitely still have outer obnoxiousness. I think in our world today, sometimes we are constantly in a mindset of outer obnoxiousness because we don't have that inner peace. Just look at the world around us. There was a study done, an international study in the Nobel Peace Prize and and a number of countries that took a look over history and what they discovered going all the way back to 4,000 B.C. of recorded history. For the last 6,000 years, do you know how many years we have not had some kind of battle, war, international conflict? Almost zero. 292 years out of 6,000, less than 5% of Earth's history. It's amazing. Humans are used to war, and not only is it on the battlefields, it sometimes happens in our homes, it happens in our workplaces, it happens wherever humans get together. Why? Because the evil one, Satan, brought sin into the world. And our peace comes because God himself died on the cross for us. But getting through that is sometimes difficult. We do want peace. I don't know how many of you have ever been up to the Winchester Mystery Mansion. Anybody? Up in San Jose? A few of you, a number of you have? It's a uh, place where thousands of people come. And Sarah Winchester... Uh, was the wife of the Winchester, the repeating arms uh, manufacturer. And after he had died, Sarah Winchester in their mansion somehow came to the conclusion that she needed to continue building. And so from 1884 to 1922, she was adding all kinds of construction and remodeling. It was 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days, days a year for 22 years of constant hammering and sawing and DIY projects around the house. And if you've ever been there, there's all kinds of things that are of note and especially just the sheer magnitude of futility. 
The house has, the mansion has over 10,000 windows. The house has about 160 rooms. There are stairs and doorways that lead to nowhere. Because in her mind, whether she felt that the house was haunted or she was told that those who died from her husband's firearms would haunt her or because a medium uh, psychic said, continue building, you will live while they're still building, whatever her reason, she was looking for peace of mind through something outside of herself that she was trying to do. And $70 million later, $70 million later, she still died. And now it's a tourist trap. Pretty scary. How many things, how many times do we try and go on our own and say, I'm going to try and build this, but it ends in futility? Or I'm going to try and do this on my own, but it ends in failure? And God comes to us and says, where do you find your foundation? Well, in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, just going to read this real quick for us. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, is a statement of hope and peace for us. Peace to end conflict. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. Jerusalem. I'm going to keep going. But Jerusalem is what they're talking about. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light, in the peace of the Lord. Isaiah was foretelling not just a historical event, but an eternal cosmic event where God himself comes to Jerusalem. And as we know from the, from the story of Jesus and the gospel message, that God himself came to his people and went to Jerusalem to die, to rise again, to remind us that we are forgiven. And we are his children. My sister, who lives up in Washington, was down for this week. And as, uh, as is our history, uh, after Thanksgiving, whenever we get together, the Frick Chicks all like to get together and go shopping and do antiquing and pop up flea stores and eat and, and shop. and I mean, window shopping and, and stuff like that. But they were at this one antique store down in orange in the orange circle or orange plaza either one uh, and she came across this decorative glass that was on a shelf and she looked at the shot glass and she saw Salem she's like oh my goodness I'm gonna get that for a pastor 
She doesn't call me pastor, but you guys can't. She calls me other things. But that's a whole other story. That's a whole other sermon. But she got this shot glass that said Salem on it, this decorative glass. And when she pulled it off the shelf, she noticed that it actually said Jerusalem. And Jerusalem. And she thought, oh my goodness, I never connected Jerusalem and Salem was a component of Jerusalem. And so we had a great topic, but that made me think about Jerusalem and do a little history dive on Jerusalem. I preached about it when I first came to Salem a couple years ago, but Salem is the word for shalom, for peace. And Jerusalem comes from a number of different sources, but one of them is from Abraham. Abraham called it Jerusalem, Yeru, Jeru, God sees. And so if we put Yeru and Salem together, God sees peace. Jeru is also known as the gift of God. And so you can say the gift of God is peace. We've shortened it down, and so if you do a wiki study on it or take a Google search, Jerusalem will just say the city of peace. But there's over 70 different names for Jerusalem. 660 times in the Old Testament, Jerusalem is mentioned. 146 times in the New Testament. Over 800 times, Jerusalem is mentioned. Not only as a physical location, but also a state of being, a place, a peace of mind. And so when we come before God, God says, my Jerusalem is where I died and rose again, but my Jerusalem is in your heart. My place of peace is with you. Jerusalem, a place of peace. I love that Salem is becoming known as a place of peace where we come before and we say we're going to be the church in the community. We're going to be the people of God in this community. And we're going to make a difference not only on our church or our campus, but in the community in East Orange and Orange County. And we even have people doing missions internationally. Because we want to be a presence of peace. Jerusalem. Shalom. Salem. This whole week, I've been thinking about peace. And peace is not only just a state of mind, but it's a state of being. And sometimes I think in terms of how can I carry this peace throughout with me throughout the whole week. And so I thought of something for you, all of us to think of this week Think of the word peace and come up with words that describe peace in your life or things that you might need in your life to have you receive or respond in peace. And the first one that I came up with was presence. For the letter P, presence. Presence of God. When I walk with God, when I feel His presence, when I pray to God, when He's on speed dial for anything that's going on with my life, when I read His Word, when I am gathered with His people, the presence of God is here. But presence comes with two different areas. One is 
presence or peace with God, and another is the presence of God. And both are important and both are needed, but we might be in different areas where we need that presence, that peace with or peace of God. Peace with God is the idea of are you spiritually right with God? Have you received God into your life and said, I want to be a follower of Christ. Lord, I receive you. I want to be with you. I want to live my life for you. I want to know that I am forgiven. That's peace with God. And some people need to say, you know what, God? I haven't taken that step. I haven't received you into my life. I haven't received you as my Lord and Savior. I want that peace with God. I want to know that I'm not going to be damned eternally to hell because of my sins or my transgressions or the turmoil in my life. I don't want to be Sarah Winchester building on futility. I want that peace with God. And so some might need to say, God, give me that peace. And God says, I've given it to you, receive it now. That's spiritual, peace with God. That idea of saviorship, saviorhood. Christ is your savior. The other one is peace of God. That emotionalness of being able to get along with one another. And that's where we have a lot of struggles at times. But peace of God is where God is the Lord of your life. Where God is the Lord and Lordship of your life, and he's the master and commander of your earthly vessel called you. Do you have peace of God? Do you have peace with God? Both of them. God says, let me give you my peace. E was another word. And I brought a vacuum. Because as we were preparing for Thanksgiving, I got out our vacuum. And I'm one who, Patty vacuums a lot, but uh, I vacuum periodically. I will vacuum every once in a while, pretty much on major holidays, like Christmas and Easter. But this time I vacuumed on Thanksgiving. And so I got the vacuum cleaner out. And the first thing I did is notice that I hadn't cleaned it out for a while. This is one of Salem's vacuum cleaners because I didn't want to walk ours down. But our vacuum cleaner has a big open area where you can see what's inside. And sure enough, as I looked on the inside of our vacuum cleaner, I saw a host of activity on the inside. There was spiders and spider webs in there. There were like little bugs crawling around, or at least my eye, who's blind in one eye, I thought that there were little bugs in there. I'm sure there weren't, but I imagined that there were some kind of whole conglomeration city going on in there of bugs and disaster and concerns because they were locked up in there and they were kept in there. And I wonder how often do we keep stuff when it should be emptied out how often do we hold on to our skeletons in the closet our sins our guilts our our failures and we want to just keep them right there and yet what are we supposed to do after we vacuum and when the vacuum gets full what do you do you empty it absolutely lesson learned you empty it and sure enough, after you vacuumed, 
Take out the canister and empty it. Well, in the same way in life, God says, empty yourself before me. And for some who are struggling with guilt or addictions or afflictions, lay it out before God and say, God, let me empty this out before you. God says, I've already cleaned you off. I've already vacuumed away and placed it on the cross for you. The A, accept your limitations. Accept your earthly limitations. We can't do it all. Some of us are A-type personalities. We think we can. We drive the B-type personalities crazy. But accept your limitations. There's going to be high points. There's going to be low points. We're going to get sick this side of heaven. We're going to have financial difficulties this side of heaven. We're going to have broken relationships this side of heaven. Accept your limitations. We can't do it all. And for some, that's okay. Do what you can. And see, champion a cause. Champion a cause in the sense of achieve your eternal expectations. Many of us come and get fed, and we soak it up, and then we rub our bellies and say, that was great, thank you, God. But we need to get out there and look at something beyond ourselves. As Zach was saying, where are you serving? Are you serving here at Salem? Are you giving of your time, your treasure, your talents? Are you serving in your home? Are you a champion of a marital relationship or a parental relationship? Or are you a champion of your neighborhood? I'll let you come up with where you can be a champion. But be a champion of a cause because God says, I will be with you. I will be with you always and forever. And finally, E. Enjoy. Enjoy a reine. Shalom. Salem, peace, enjoy. Sometimes we don't think to take time to enjoy. But God says, if you want to have peace, rest in my peace. Salvation, Christianity, isn't a list of things to do. It's resting in my peace. There was a young man who came to Christ and was so excited that he says, I'm going to do all kinds of things for God. I'm going to write down all the different things where I'm going to serve. I'm going to write down where I'm going to go, what I'm going to give, how I'm going to minister, and I'm going to write this list. And he took it to the church and he placed it on the altar. And as he looked at it, he realized that he wasn't really that full of joy or peace. So he took the list home and he added to the list and he added longer and longer and longer items of all the things that he was going to do for God to make God happy so that he could feel God and have peace. And he brought it back to church and he laid the list down on the altar and he realized he still wasn't happy. So he took the list to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I'm saying I'm doing all these things for God and I'm jumping through all these, these, I'm making this list and trying to accomplish so many things, but I'm just not happy. And the pastor said, well, you're trying to jump through too many hoops. Take a blank sheet of paper, sign your name, and put that on the altar. 
when the young man went to the altar and took the sheet, placed it on the altar with his name signed, he was at peace. And I think for us to just say, God, I'm going to take my life and put it on the altar for you, then we can enjoy. We can enjoy all that God does and has and gives for each of us. Because God says, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Brothers and sisters, enjoy God's peace. Be filled with his peace as we prepare and as we wait for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.